Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, August 16, 2016. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are at page 90, the second paragraph. Today's readers are on the 12 steps, Charlene G., on the 12 traditions, Anita L., and reading the text, it's Judy F., Martha Z., and Cecilia H. The reference number for Monday, August 15, is 8998. That's 8998. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members, We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry this message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Charlene G. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, this is Charlene G. from Idaho. These are the 12 steps. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks. Pass. Thank you, Charlene. I will now ask Anita L. to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning, everybody. This is Anita L. from outside of Philadelphia. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, 
to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Anita. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing a topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book in the chapter working with others. We're on page 90, paragraph two. I will ask Judy F. to begin reading. She'll read the second and third paragraph and our comments will be on the third paragraph on that page. Good morning, Katie, it's Judy F. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Thank you. Okay, great. Thank you. Good morning, visionaries. Judy F., compulsive reader recovered in Massachusetts. If there is any indication that he wants to stop, have a good talk with the person most interested in him, usually his wife. Get an idea of his behavior, his problems, his background, the seriousness of his condition, and his religious leanings. You need this information to put yourself in his place to see how you would like him to approach you if the tables were turned. Sometimes it is wise to wait till he goes on a binge. The family may object to this, but unless he is in a dangerous physical condition, it is better to risk it. Don't deal with him when he is very drunk, unless he is ugly and the family needs your help. Wait for the end of the spree, or at least for a lucid interval. Then let his family or a friend ask him if he wants to quit for good and if he would go to any extreme to do so. If he says yes, 
then his attention, attention should be drawn to you as a person who has recovered. You should be described to him as one of a fellowship who, at, as part of their own recovery, try to help others and who will be glad to talk to him if he cares to see you. And let me just uh, set my alarm. So, yes, Judy uh, and uh, I am recovered. And if he says yes, then his attention should be drawn to you as a person who has recovered. And um, in the big book, it describes as recovered as having neutrality, not wanting to pick up the food, not not fighting it, not, uh, you know, that I I know what I need to do with the food and I need to stay in fit spiritual condition. And part of my staying in fit, fit spiritual condition is being of um, maximum help to others. And that is uh, talking with um, those that, um, come before me, and um, and if it leads to sponsorship, that's great. But just even talking to them, and um, just this week, uh, someone who's been in uh, program and was out and came back, and started with a conversation, and it's all and it's always, um, you know, are you have you hit the bottom? Um, I know that I needed to hit a bottom with with the compulsive overeating, the binging, the overexercising, all the ways I controlled it. And I find in my experience the last 25 years that people needed to hit some, some bottom, some I'm, I'm sick and tired of it. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I want this monkey off my back. And that's when I've found that they're most willing to uh, put down the food and follow these directions. And, um, you know, that question, does he want to quit for good and would, would he go to any extreme to do so? And, you know, I was at the point where if they told me to eat, eat you know, paper every three times a day, that's what I would have done. I mean, I was that willingness just needs to be there. And um, it is a gift of desperation for me. And it does, it is the food... The, the disease that got me there and I find that gets others there. And I've done it with um, when I thought someone was ready and um, and we went wanted quickly to get into the steps and then at step four she picked up and then she admitted she wasn't sure if she was a real compulsive overeater. So I found, um, you know, we need to spend enough time in step one in the earlier chapters to really um, get that being convinced. But at this point, we're just having a conversation and I'm always glad to talk to anyone because I am so grateful and I need to give this back um, if I'm to keep it. It, it needs to be that, that flow. And it's a joy in my life um, because I get to share what God has given and with that I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. That's a that's a loud alarm. Um, okay, who would like to share on this second paragraph? Okay, 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 okay. I got four people. I got Charles H, Bella G, Lauren S, and now I forgot the Oh, Melissa C. This is like a memory test every time. Okay. So who are you? Chris, Chris C. 
Tina S. Tina S. Reva P. Lynn S. P. Lynn S. Okay. Okay, I think that's enough for this um, first go around. So we have um, Charles H., Bella G., Lauren S., Melissa C., Sharon H., Chrissy G., Tina S., Reva P., and Lynn S. Charles, you're up, then Bella G. Thank you very much for your service. Um, you do an excellent job. Charles H., a recovered compulsive overeater just for today. Um, sometimes it's wise to wait until he goes on a, on a bench. You know, this is, this is great information that the big book has given me. Um, you know, because, like, and, and, and second of all, like, who am I? I? I don't. We don't know who's ready and all that. And I, I remember doing all that stuff. Are you sure you're ready? Giving them blood tests and all this nonsense. Like you know, we don't know. We're just trying to help out. Like Janice M said last week, we're just trying to help out. And and you know, this reminds me of um, Alcoholics Number Three, Alcoholics Anonymous Number Three, um, referring to Doctor Bob and, and Bill W. They said to me, "Do you really? Do you want to quit drinking?" It's none of my business about your drinking. We're not here trying to take any of your rights or privileges away from you. But we have a program where we think we can stay sober. Part of that program is that we take it to someone else that needs it and want it. Now, if you don't want it, we'll not take up your time, and we'll be going and looking for someone else. You know, thank God, um, you, you know, he wanted it, right? And, and and just like my man, shout out to my man Harlan, man. We you know, he 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 explained to me that you know, I'll, uh, Bill D was so important to prove that this program really does work, really 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 works. You know, it really works if you want it. We don't know who wants it. Um, lip service at this point uh, is null and void. It's action uh, when you you actually follow the suggestions. You follow the yellow brick road like the big book says, and you'll get what the, the the big book promises. But, you know, we're just trying to help. You don't want it? You know, we're not going to alienate you. We're not going uh, to just skip on by you and never check on you again and never text you and never call you. That's not what the big book says. The big book says if they don't want it, don't try to convince them. Don't try to twist their arms. You may spoil the next chance. I was in a meeting yesterday a face-to-face meeting, and, um, you know, the speaker spoke, and he shared a great message, but he broke tradition. And someone stepped up and said, you know, I, 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 a group conscience, I want if we can read Tradition 5 and Tradition 10. And I seconded it because it's for the good of OA, right? So I don't know why I said that, but I just felt like saying it. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Charles. And Bella G., you're up, followed by Lauren F. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G, and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Katie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. You should be described to him as one of a fellowship who, as part of their own recovery, try to help others and who will be glad to talk to him if he cares to see you. Wow, it's such a wonderful message. A message for me as a sponsor is a message for me as a sponsee. As a sponsor, 
you know, I am not better than you. I am not your teacher. I am not your therapist. I am not your doctor. I am the same as you. You know, I am talking from my own experience. I am not talking from a book because from a book you can read it too. I am talking with you on the same level. You know, I went through this and I have the same experience. Maybe we are not the same age. Maybe we are not at the same place of living. Maybe we are not, you know, but we have, I have the same experience. And also as a sponsee, it's not that I have to be embarrassed for my sponsor and it's not that I have to be ashamed. It's not a judging, a blaming. I know that my sponsor was also there, and she was also struggling with the same thing as me. You know, we are both the same. We are talking from the same level. And it's a wonderful, wonderful fellowship because my recovery is based on give and get. You know, it's not that if I am your sponsor, I am better than you. You can give me the same and maybe more that I can give you as a sponsor because, you know, my recovery is based on your help and my help and that I can give you too. It's, you know, the beauty of this program is we, we are at the same boat. And, you know, we are looking for, to build up, you know, the connection with the higher power, you know, and to build, to, to, to build my own self as based on my, based on a connection with the higher power, with an accepting and loving power. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella. Lauren S., you're up, followed by cool. Melissa C. Hi, this is Lauren S. Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, cool. Okay. Uh, recovery compulsive overeater in Pittsburgh, PA. Um, when you discover a prospect for our fellowship, find out all you can about the person. So part of my recovery is um, studying the book, sponsoring, sharing the message. And the fourth part that I was told by my recovered guides is to go to wind-up joints, to find these compulsive overeaters who um, don't technically wind up at an OA meeting. You know, they wind up at hospitals, eating disorder clinics, um, churches, uh, therapists. So as we learned on page 89, perhaps you're not acquainted with any compulsive eaters who want to recover go to these places. And, you know, I can find these people at meetings, but that's one place that I've been finding newcomers. I've been finding them at wind-up joints, you know, going to people who are professionals and saying, hey, listen, I'm a member of a 12-step group. I recovered. I'm here to work alongside your practices. And I've had amazing results. And that has been an incredible cement in my foundation is connecting the community, getting my face out there, and helping God's kids outside of fellowship, outside of OA. Uh, the other part that I wanted to talk about was when they say recovered. You know, you should be drawn to this person as 
a member of Mother Covered. And for me, what that means is um, when I went through the 12 steps, that's the simplest, most purest, um, proven way that I recovered. All I use is the big book, just one woman with the big book. And what it means today is I don't trigger my allergies, the first compulsive bite. I'm not eating that first compulsive bite. But the main thing that it's cured me of is the obsession. I don't try to control and enjoy my eating. And that's what I really pull out to those newcomers, new people on the line, is that I'm free of that today. You know, yes, I'm at a healthy body weight. Yes, I'm happy, joyous, and free. But because of my Step 10, I got those Step 10 promises. Now, I'm new to, I don't – I'm recovered today not – to just obsess about what I'm eating and, and ingredients and food plans and weight loss, I'm recovered today so I can help you guys, so I can help the new guy. And, you know, in OA in particular, I tend to tell newcomers and sufferers, stop thinking about the food. That's the obsession. Stop trying to control what you're eating. Put it down and we're going to go through the steps. And when we work together, I'm, you'll be recovered just like me if you do exactly what this book tells you. And uh, that's what this, these paragraphs are all about for me. It's, it's not so Lauren can be recovered to share how great recovered Lauren is, you know, and speak at meetings. It's so I can help the new guy get out of my apartment and help the new guy. Because there are so many people out there, as this book tells me, that are suffering. You know, when this tip of the book was launched, you know, we're only hitting a scratch here. So... I don't just go to meetings. Uh, I go to, I've been getting in the trenches. I've been going to eating disorder clinics. I've been going out in the community and saying, can, time. You know, oh, all right. Thanks. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Lauren. Okay, Melissa C., you're up, followed by Sharon H. Hi, good morning. It's Melissa C., recovered compulsive overeater in New York. Um, you know, wise to wait till he goes on a binge. Um, and, you know, it just got me thinking about the binge. And when people say that they overate or ate something they shouldn't have eaten, um, but it was just a little and they're able to get back on track or it wasn't as bad as it could have been, um, that's not a binge. You know, at least that's not my definition of a binge. And, um, and I remember saying that over and over and over again. And so long as I was still saying that, um, there was still a lurking belief that I had some control over how much I was eating um, and when I could stop. And that's not desperate, you know. That's not the time to first approach somebody, but I also don't think that's the right time to abandon someone or turn away from them. Um, you know, I know when I was at that point, and I was there for a very long time, the fellowship gave me hope. You know, I wasn't really approachable, but um, but I was glad that I had a place to uh, listen and learn. And, um, you know, people who call me or who I speak with right after they've had a terrible spree, these people are far more approachable. Um, not while they're still eating, you know, not while they're spooning ice cream in and out, but after they've consumed so much food that they're in discomfort and wanting help, um, you know, I can direct the conversation that lovingly, 
by sharing my struggle um, and sharing that I'm not recovered. Um, you know, when I talk to people, I tell them um, that I could not stop eating once I started and how even though I knew it was killing me, I couldn't stop myself from starting. You know, I think sharing the torment um, and then I share how that desire has been completely removed. You know, I tell how I am recovered and that it's important for me to say that um, part of my being recovered means that I must try to help other people, that um, I'm willing to help you if you want my help. And, um, you know, I know that I needed to have every one of my binges to drive the point home. And um, that kind of sounds crazy, you know, maybe, but there was a lesson in each one, like the craziness, the out-of-control behavior, the lengths I went to. And even for me, the way the food was no longer anything that was all that exciting or interesting You know, um, my last binge on shredded wheat, cereal, and rice cakes, I think taught me more um, than any heartfelt lecture could. And, you know, it just showed me how out of control and desperate I was. And I feel like if this binge, you know, if those binges taught me that, then it was valuable. And that if there's someone out there who's still binging, that they're still learning just how low she'll go and... uh, you know, and then once they find that out, then then they're ready for the solution. Um, and that's where we step in. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Melissa. And Sharon H., you're up, followed by Chrissy G. Good morning. This is Sharon H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado by God's Grace and These 12 Principles. Um, I'd like to zone in on you should be described to him as one of a fellowship who, as part of their own recovery, try to help others and who will be glad to talk to him if he cares to see you. Um, One of the things that I realized was so different when I started listening to this phone line meeting was um, I wasn't rammed down my throat, somebody else giving me their food plan and telling me I had to practice all these tools and all these things that I thought were absolutely required in order for me to get abstinent. And um, what I found here was that people were using this book the way it was used probably very early in the beginning uh, to follow these directions. Yes, we must put the food down, but then we begin this journey with God as our uh, guide and our sponsor as our guide through these steps to learn how to live this new way of life, free from the bondage of food addiction and the obsession of the mind over everything else. You know, once the food is down, the mind continues to obsess about all different kinds of things, at least mine did. And um, I do this, I don't, I'm not a genie. I don't know whether somebody really wants it, but if somebody calls me, I'm willing to now, you know, go through the doctor's opinion with them because that's where I found the truth that I needed to see that I had not seen, and um, it made all the difference in the world to me. So that's the beginning of this journey, and um, I'm, you know, I, I've I've gone through this process of being self-righteous, thinking I know better than others, judgmental, all of those, and God is continuing to show me the facts that I need to see about myself, not others, and so. I'm just so grateful to be a part of this um, 
phone line meeting where we all come together, and I will never forget when I gave my name out on this line, I was deluged with calls. I was flabbergasted because I remember the times I was making three calls a day, and I never got a hold of anybody live, and nobody ever called me back, very rarely. So I was just amazed, and um, those were the things that that began to show me um, that this program will work under all conditions if we just follow the guidelines that are in this book and use the book as a guideline, not use a sponsor or uh, another human being. I mean, we are all human here, and we all have faults, and it's just that as alcoholics, because we are so bent on self-destruction by what we do with food or alcohol or anything else, they have become the extreme in our lives. And so I'm just so grateful to everybody out on the line today. I'm so grateful to everyone that I have met on this line via the phone and then in person when I went to the conference. And um, it's just amazing, and it's revitalized my other program. And uh, I am just so grateful to be a part of this organization and this book and uh, to just be one of us on this road to recovery, trudging the road to happy destiny. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Katie. Thank you, Sharon. And now we have Chrissy G. followed by Tina F. Hi. Chrissy G., recovered compulsive overeater and anorexic from New Jersey. And this, in this um, looking for trying to find people is different than it was back then in terms of who are looking for the program and different and to have different prospects. When this when the book was written, the twelve steps obviously weren't um, as publicized and well known as they are now. And now we have people that come in and they know what to look for, they know where to go. Not all people, some people are still very unfamiliar. But you know, if this if this book if this book was updated it wouldn't it wouldn't include the family it would include you know more like treatment centers and things like that because people know to go into treatment centers and then hopefully if they're good treatment centers they learn about 12 step programs and then that's the bridge into this and the families more often than not when they're when they're worrying about their loved ones like my family's worrying about my mother now because she's um she's probably 60 or 70 pounds overweight and her legs are swollen you can't see her ankles and and she can't walk she's a little she's a little person she's really small and so my father you know cries and pleads to her and there's nothing that we can do about it and we would we would need outside help and if there was an OA person who could come in and and talk to her and 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 get her to come to meetings or to get her help, that would that would be great. But it it's more likely that we would have her go to a treatment center before before that would happen, just because times have changed and that's kind of what's available to us now. And you know, insurance even pays for it sometimes, so that's that's amazing. That's it's just another resource that we have. But if someone were to come to me, a family member, and someone was out of control and they wanted me to wanted me to talk to them, you know, I would I would tread lightly. But I like the idea of finding out the person's background, you know, and, and I usually do that with the person themselves. 
um, and that's usually the way it works for me. And I have taken different people through the steps in different ways depending on what their slant was, it, what their personalities were, what their timetable was. And, and I'm in a position in my life that I could do that, that I could revolve, uh, I, could, I could customize a program for, for the people, you know, that I work with. And it's still the same program, but... If I could take somebody through really, really quickly, I do. If someone, there are people who have learning disabilities, and I'm an educator, so I've sat down with people and helped them actually write out their fourth step because they've been in the program for you know 10 years and can't put pen to paper. They have dyslexia, so you know I'm just blessed. I'm blessed to have that that experience to be able to do that and that I passed. Thank you, Chrissy. I'm sorry, I was not unmuted. Okay, Chrissy G., uh, thank you so much. And then we have Tina S., followed by Reva P. Thanks, Katie. Uh, Tina S., compulsive eater, anorexic in Florida. Wow, some really great shares this morning. Um, you know, I, I know early on in recovery, um, I handled this much differently than I do today, and it's because I do more the practice of what it talks about in, in instructions in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And, you know, I know early on I was gung-ho, and, and it seemed like I was more vested in other people's recovery than they were, and um, and I'd get frustrated, you know. And uh, and I can remember a sponsor saying, well, Tina, are you still abstinent? Are you still doing the deal? And I would be like, well, yeah. And she says, well, you know, sometimes that's what – the purpose is for you to to try and help somebody else is so that you stay grounded. And and today I like you know what it talks about in here. You know, I, you know, I've been around the rooms quite a while and so, you know, I, I um personally know a lot of people in Overeaters Anonymous in my area and uh people that come in and stay but don't necessarily get get the stuff. You know, they just come in every week and um, you know, and share that they binged last night or whatever their their story is. And so, you know, when I get a lot of people who call me and in those throes of oh, I just had a bad binge last night, this is and they're spilling all this stuff on me and they're feeling guilty and remorseful and all this kind of stuff and I so relate because I was there. You know, I, there was a time when I was there and, and you know, so I listen to that and you know, but today there's a difference, you know, I and I think Charles said it, you know, I listen to people People, you know, but I don't necessarily offer my help. You know, I suggest maybe something to them. Then I say, call me back tomorrow. Here, here, do this simple thing. You know, go home and say a prayer or, you know, write a plan for tomorrow, your food plan for tomorrow. And then if they continue to contact me, then I go, okay, this must be somebody who's at the end finally, you know, because it took me a while. It took, what, you know, I'm 58 now. I got abstinent when I was 40. One forty, something like that. So it took me a while to really get this stuff, to really be willing to do the deal, you know. And I like what's talked about. You know, I can want it all I want it, but I really have to do it. And um, you know, and so today, you know, I, I handle it a little differently. But I am all about uh, talking to people. You know, I can, you know, I can talk to you, I can listen to you, but if you want my help, you have to contact me. You know, and there's a difference. And 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 you know, I'll just close with this as. As opposed to a newcomer. When I go to a meeting and there's a newcomer there, I will say, you know, I will share my experience, strength, and hope, and I will say, like it was said, that this has worked for me and this is what I do. So give me a call. Maybe we can do it together. That'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina. Okay, Reva P., you're up, followed by Lynn S. 
Good morning. It's Reva P., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. A couple of things struck me. First of all, this waiting till somebody goes on a binge or as at least um, after they've been drunk and is lucid reminds me of the gift of desperation, um, which reminds me of the paragraph in the 12 and 12 talking about why do I have to hit bottom? Why do I have to be so desperate before I'm even um, ready to do anything? And it says, you know, few of us are really um, willing to do any of this stuff. Um, because it means the adoption of attitudes and actions that almost no real compulsive overeater who's still drinking can dream of taking, who wishes to be rigorously honest, who wants to confess his faults, like who wants to do this stuff? And it says no. The average alcoholic, self-centered in the extreme, doesn't care anything for this unless I have to do these things in order to stay alive. So I need to be desperate. And the second thing that struck me is if he wants it, because a lot of people say, I want it, I need it, I want to do this. But then there's another one, if he is willing to go to any lengths to get it. And, you know, that's not just at the beginning, but for me it's all the way through the step process um, for a long time. Am I willing now? You know, I've done one, two, three. Now are you willing to do step four? Um, and as people shared yesterday, you know, a lot of times I hear people say they're willing, but when it comes to doing it, they sort of disappear. Um, so it's a reminder to me, too, that the bottom keeps getting raised, and now it's not just a bottom with the food. It's a bottom with um, the restless, irritable, and discontentedness I can't live like that um, because food is the next best idea when I'm in that state. Um, so when it says um, covered person um, can be of usefulness, that's somebody who is not just in a slim body, but who's not stark, raving, white-knuckled, abstinent either. Um, and that's what keeps me motivated, you know, seeing people who are dealing with things and are... Um, at ease and at peace in spite of some of the challenges in life. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva. Okay, Lynn S., you're up. Good morning. This is Lynn S., a recovering compulsive overeater from Toronto, Canada. I was just thinking, it's an incredible. it's incredible to me that we're right here in this paragraph where we are because I had a sponsee phone me yesterday who said, sorry, I didn't call the day before, blah, 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 I lost my abstinence. And they had, you know, lost it the day before as well kind of a thing. And what's been so remarkable for me is I've heard what we've been talking about on the line for the last couple of days. And thank you, God, from the bottom of my heart, I was able to recall that and put it in practice. Because often I, I have a selective memory or I hear it and it sounds good, but I've never worked with anybody while we've been reading this part of the book, and I don't think I've ever worked with anybody the way it says to exactly in this book. I probably did something similar, but I, but I didn't do this. And I have asked them the last couple of times, are they ready to quit? 
and are they willing to go to any length? And the answer was always, yes, yes, I really am. And again, I asked yesterday, and I was getting the automatic yes, and I was able to say, think about it. Call me later, and later can be in two hours or four hours or the next day, but really think about it and let me know. And I haven't heard from them yet, and that's different for me because I over-talk them all the time. And what I'm hearing today on the line, what I heard yesterday was, People who are recovered say over and over again, listen to them. So I have to think myself, Lynn, are you willing to go to any length to help them recover? Well, if you are, stop trying to convince them and listen to them. So I love how program, when it really touches your heart and it resonates, it lands with me. And I'm learning. I also heard yesterday, and I've heard this before, but it really struck me. We can't convince them, but the food can. So my thoughts and prayers are with this sponsee. I'm so grateful we're here that I can listen to people on the line so that I, myself, can be willing to go to any length to help them, and I can learn to listen. With that, I pass. Thank you so much, Lynn. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Nessa R. Mary B. Vasa R, Larry A, Mary B, Vasa O, Nessa R. Yes, I got you, Nessa. Okay, Larry K. Okay, so we have that's four people. We can have one more. Paula D. And Paula D. Okay, let's go with those five. So Lynn, I'm I'm sorry, Nessa R, Larry K, Mary, I think B, Vasa O, and Paula D. Go ahead, Nessa. Thank you. Um, good morning. This is Nessa R. Recovered in Toronto, Canada. It is so um, <laughs> appropriate that we're reading this paragraph um, this morning because I've had so many experiences in the past couple of days uh, with people who uh, want what I have but aren't willing to do what I do. Um, and this is the key. You know, everybody wants to stop eating. Everybody wants to be thin. But this is a very, very drastic program of action. And, you know, this this concept of drastic um, is repeated over and over um, in the big book. Um, there's like eight references to to how drastic our program is, starting with, um, with Bill's story. And, you know, um, we... I guess we're in a way kind of fortunate that we don't have to go out looking for prospects. People come into the rooms and, you know, nobody comes into these rooms on a winning streak. I mean, always not the first thing that I ever tried to lose weight and to keep it off. Um, I came here when I had tried everything else and everything else failed. Um, You know, I had been on many diets and some of them worked for a time but then I was never able to stay on them and keep the weight off long enough, and that's the case for most of us. So when I come in here, I'm desperate. Um, But even then, I find people that, despite the desperation, are not ready for the drastic program of action, and it is not my job to convince them to shove it down their throats. By the same token, I come into contact with people. I live in a community where most people have known me when I was... Um, 70 pounds overweight 
And from time to time, there's this one woman who approaches me and says, so what did you do? And it's the same conversation every single time. You know, um, five years ago and just this past Sunday with the same one, and what did you do? And I give them a glimpse. I don't say anything about overeating. I don't say anything about program. I just say, you know, like I, I gave up food. I gave up a lot of food. Oh, really? Like what? What do you do? Well, I don't eat sugar. I don't eat flour. I weigh and measure my food. And, uh, and if you're interested, I'd be happy to talk to you about it. But you know that eyes glaze over and they're not interested. Everybody's looking for the magic pill that will enable them to eat all the cheesecake they want and still stay thin because that's what I wanted and that's what I see happening. But it's, it's my job to, to tell them, you know, this, this requires work. If you want what I have uh, and you are willing to do what I do, you will call me and we can work together. But they don't call, uh, or most of them don't call. Some of them do call, and then, and then there's something to work with. But until they do, until they have that willingness, um, there's really nothing I can do beyond just staying recovered and being, being a role model for, um, for the big book, as it is said many, many times. You know, this is not a program for those who need it, and it's not for those who want it. It's for those who do it. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, now we will have Larry Kay followed by Mary B. Thanks, Katie. Uh, thanks for your service, Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. So at this point in the process, you know, I, I really take kind of a non-directive approach. You know, I'm, I'm not looking to persuade the person of anything. I'm, I'm simply looking to, to learn all I can about, about him. And, I mean, after all, I'm, I'm certainly no expert on his life. Or, or his personal experience. So the question is, you know, at this stage of, of inquiry is, can I take a, a person-centered approach rather than a Larry-centered approach, where I think I already have all the information to make a, you know, a judgment, a cookie-cutter interpretation of that person's situation? And, and the big book is giving me wise instructions. It's telling me, you know, what I should aspire not to do. That is not to, you know, to challenge the person's agency over my own feelings, my own perceptions at this point. In other words, can, you know, can I have the patience to give the suffering guy I'm talking to some space to reflect and, and share on his experience? And you know, you know, let me allow that person to tell me what hurts, what their experience is. I might have a similar experience. But rather than, you know, than jump in the gun with my own judgment and my own ready-made solution. And when I do that, I may, you know, if I, if I do, you know, become in their judgmental with a ready-made solution, I'm going to push people away and probably spoil a later opportunity. And see, this approach works. That's what they found, you know, these early pioneers. The approach works. Even though it seems somewhat counterintuitive because we always want to fix people. You know, but, but I don't possess that power. See, that, that job's taken. I can't have that job, that God job. It's taken. So, you know, my prayer is that, you know, may the faith that, that our words profess live in the prayerful depths of our hearts. You know, can I use my words? Can I choose my words? God, direct my words. You did this for me. You know, how can I be patient with a uh, kind, tolerant with someone else? It's hard at times, God. It's hard for me to do that because I see their suffering, and it makes me cringe a bit because I remember my suffering. 
I don't like them to suffer kind of scares me a little bit. So, you know, maybe I'm going to jump the gun here and I'm going to be impatient and intolerant and, uh, you know, come and bat them over the head with my solution. That never worked for me. I would have run for Z Hills if you would have done that for me. I tried. So um, in any case, with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. And next we have Mary B, followed by Vasa O. Thank you, Katie. This is Mary B, gratefully recovered in Central California, and I have a story to share, and I've got to talk fast. Um, I recently, in fact, Sunday, I had revisited my old home group in uh, the San Fernando Valley, and uh, I led the meeting there. I had to drive about 120, 130 miles to get to a 9.30 a.m. meeting, and uh carry the message of uh, vision and, you know, did the best I could. Anyway, uh, this woman was there, uh, my former neighbor who I lived next door to for over 40 years. And when she moved in, she was always a thin lady, rather thin. And as we got older, she, you know, would put on a little weight, take off a little weight. It was never anything serious, never approached her. And I was away on an RV trip about seven years ago when she experienced the most tragic family um, loss. Her beautiful 32-year-old daughter died suddenly. When I talked to her, she said, don't, don't come home for the funeral, Mary. You know, it's okay. It was really hard for me to get home. But I came home not too long after in fact, in time for the memorial service. And I saw her. She had blown up. She was huge. She was huge. And I knew, I knew what was going on. I knew. And um, after all the services were over, my husband started saying to me, why don't you talk to her? Why don't you talk to her? You can help her. And I just thought, no, no. Just wait, just wait. And we were going to senior yoga together. And one morning we're waiting for the class to start and she looked at me and she said, I've got to do something about this weight. Okay, I'll take you to one of my meetings. And then this lady here (laughs) who had to take charge, I was so afraid she was not going to take to our meetings, and I had to pick the perfect meeting for her. I took her to a women's stag meeting that was held in a beautiful home. It was one of my regular meetings. Beautiful home, wonderful women, a lot of recovery. And she liked it. And then she wanted to go to another meeting, and I had it was the next day, the Sunday morning meeting, where there were a lot of men and we love the men, but they get up and they share, and sometimes they don't watch their language, and I was so sure she would be turned off at that meeting. Well, it's seven years later, to make a long story short, and she's 50 pounds down and has been for many years. She's one of those people who, when the secretary says, we need, she raises her hand for service. She gives so much love. She is so loved. This has brightened her 
whole life. Um, this is just an example of how my higher power moves in and her higher power to take over and manage this whole thing because I sure was not in charge. And um, I just love the story. I love this woman. We are so close. Thank you for the opportunity to share. Thank you, Mary. Okay, Vasa O, you're up. And then um, Paula D, I'm sorry, but you'll have to share in the second hour. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Katie, for your service. And I am Vasa O, grateful, recovering, compulsive, overeating, calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. I just thank God every single day for putting this person in my life that uh, 12-stepped me and brought me to my first OA meeting. And I was given the big book. They didn't have as much literature 30 years ago. And, um, and uh, she, you know, for one week, she, you know, she just shared her own experience, strength, and hope, you know, with the program. And finally, like, she was 12-stepping me with him before I, we went to my first meeting, and I I had the gift of, of desperation, you know, at that time. It was just, it was, it was just, you know, yes, I did try everything else in this earth, whatever I heard, what other people did, and nothing worked, and, you know, and I just gave in. I surrendered to the food, you know. I, you know, I, there was nothing more to try. I just said, I'm going to just die fat and miserable. And that, that's what I thought, you know. And um, finally, she did bring me to, uh, she gave me hope, you know. She was a friend of mine. She'd been in recovery for a while. And, you know, when I saw her, I liked what I saw, you know. And uh, she gave me a lot of hope. And I thank God she brought me to my first meeting I could identify, and I felt at home. I felt like I came home. I could identify with all the people. Uh, and, of course, I'm just so grateful I did get my abstinence right from the beginning because I surrendered to God, the program, whatever. I, I said I, I was ready to surrender because I did not want to die. I wanted to live, you know. I saw people dying around me, family members, friends, or struggling with the food addictions, you know, drugs or alcohol, whatever, you know. And, yeah, at the beginning, I was, I was very, very excited. And I, you know, again, I was very, very high on the program. I was losing the weight. And uh, I was looking for, for for people, like my friends. I would go and visit them. And I would share my experience with even them asking me, you know, what are you doing or whatever, you know. I was doing one, two, three the three, first three steps and then 12th step, you know. Well, I'm sure the other people felt, oh, thank you for the information, but this is not for me, you know. But that's why. That's why I keep coming. I'm a forgetter, you know, and I want to be reminded. I want to learn every day, you know, what I need to do. And this chapter is talking about giving it away. And I haven't done it perfectly in the past, and I... Still, I still don't do it perfectly, believe me. But if I stick with the directions, the way this book is laid out, the better I can do it. I had a big, huge party. I'm going to wrap it up. I had a big, huge party yesterday. I had like 50 people here. It was amazing. I mean, I love the company. I love being with friends and relatives. 
But, you know, there was there was a lot of food there that they brought. Of course, you know, I had my abstinent food. My niece knows that most of them are very overweight, but I say nothing, you know. If they want to know, they come to me. My niece said, you know, I'm doing better, Auntie Vasa, but she didn't want to talk about program or anything, you know. I said, good, I'm glad to hear that. So thank you for letting me share that task. Thank you, Vasa. And thank you to everyone who has shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Martha Z. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning, my friends in recovery. This is Martha Z. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater by the grace of God from near Philadelphia. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.